This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our beloved patrons, Samplos and Guy White. If you want to be like them and help us make the podcast that you like, you can help by paying us a dollar or more by visiting pitchdrop.cash. You'll get another podcast for doing it. Thanks for being a listener. Enjoy the episode. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that continues doing early Ermi impressions in the year 7263. This is season 7, episode 9, covering the submerged city and a boatload of awful side quests in Xenosaga episode 2 for the PS2. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. My pronouns are he, him, and with me today is. Sybil Arnett, she, her, and the idiot who worked out the math on the year. <laughs> Uh, Ryan Beatty, they, them, I did less than half of these. <laughs> Matt Marcus, he, him, I did all of these. To preface why I'm so grumpy about this is that I didn't do any side quests last time, and now I have done every side quest in the game available up until the end of this episode. So uh, that's why I'm very mad. Well, that seems like your own fault. Good news, I you have, have two episodes anyway. until you ever have to touch one again. Mm-hmm. No, because a ton are available after Labyrinthos. There are at least two more, because you get the Piano That's Man after Labyrinthos. Mm-hmm. We have to finish Labyrinthos, and then there's that. Mm. And then there's post-game. Is Labyrinthos going to be there's cool only like, There's only, like, two post-game. Labyrinthos, so far, is uh, mechanically neat and aesthetically uh, a sewer level. Cool. Love it. Last time, we murdered noteworthy character Orgula above the Ormus stronghold before detonating it and letting a black hole swallow the remains. As a result, the Elsa touched down on the soil of Old Milsha, which we're immediately going to leave because touching down opens over a dozen, that's not an exaggeration, side quests, some of which have absolutely baller rewards. Right before we get into the side quest proper, I just want to mention plot-wise how little this makes sense because it is right where we discover that there is a race against time. Mm-hmm. We are trying to basically beat out the UTIC organization slash immigrant fleet slash a whole bunch of shady people who are trying to get their hands on the Zohar now that old Milsha has like re-emerged. But no, it's it's side quest time. Let's slow way down, even though we specifically are trying to outrun some very, very bad potential consequences. Yeah, I don't th- mean this. this is- oh, go ahead. I mean, that's extremely JRPG side quest dot text, right? Like, that's just what happens in JRPGs. Right. You know? That's what I was going to say, right? Like, not not to... It is funny, but also unre- completely unremarkable, right? Like, the fucking 30... Long enough to breed six generations of chocobos is how long the meteor took to hit, right? 
Right, right. But it's, I think that maybe it stands out here for me more because uh, the side quests are so siloed off into their, like, you know, they have their own specific menu and shit. And so it reveals the lie of JRPG pacing, I think, more than other JRPGs. Or maybe I'm just examining this one critically. I think, I think the cardinal sin in this particular case is like space, right? Because Mm -hmm. You go all the way to Milsha, and then you tell Captain Matthews, can you turn around and go back to the Kukai Foundation? (laughs) And then you just do. And you can just have infinite time to go back and forth between the three locations, like Old Milsha and Second Milsha and the Kukai Foundation for as long as you want. And he's just like, you sure you don't want to go to Milsha? Like, no, 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 I swear I want to go to the Kukai Foundation. Yeah. There's a cutscene in the stretch where Junior is just making the most perfect stone face at the events unfolding before him. And I like to imagine he's doing that to the party the entire time they're using the Elsa as a taxi. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Uh, Real talk, this game should not have side quests. This game would have been much better without the the pacing of Xenosaga 1 felt good side quest and you were just going the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I actually have a theory about that I came up with. I think part of why this game's pacing is so fucked and these side quests feel disconnected is that a lot of content was not finished or fleshed out enough in time for release, but it was done because they had rookie directors who were giving people whatever to do. And I think that's why this game has such a glut of post-game content And all these weird side quests where it's like, hey, we added a whole hidden boss to this thing that you'll never see unless you do three NPCs and go into a specific UMN instance. I think these are all scrapped remnants of what Mm. could have been dungeons that didn't get put in. Mm. Mm. The, The other weird thing is the ordering of a bunch of these. Like, all of the post-game ones, there's, like, four in a row. For not playing with a guide, the experience is that you talk to every NPC in the world, you find one quest and you do it, and then I guess you're expected to talk to every NPC in the universe again. And fuck that, dude. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, there's not that many that are sequential per se yeah but all of the post-game ones are sequential is what i'm saying okay oh the post-game ones yeah 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 i think the weirdest thing about it is that they could have trimmed down the ones that don't really expand on like the sense of place like i don't mind not well no because some of them you go back to characters from the previous game and Mm -hmm. you know like i think the one with layla is like okay that may not have been a very interesting quest, but at least that has flavor and is following up on something that happened in the previous game. So you might have some emotional investment in this character. Five and not 32, and you don't put it on the back of your box that you have a lot of side content. Yeah, no, this is very much of the era bloat. And also, like, I think if you cut out, you could cut out 10 hours, probably, just by cutting out the side quest, and then you have a very, very slimline game. But I, I generally appreciate when there are breaks in the story to do side quests because honestly, if I was playing this game, just going dungeon to dungeon to dungeon, I would find it extremely draggy. Like I would just lose my momentum. Like I need a breather. Uh, it, but it is extremely draggy. Even with the side quest, they make it worse. They make it feel well, longer. Yeah, it would be even yeah. worse. Mm-hmm. And regarding your point about everything, we haven't been able to do any side quests since disc one until this point, only right. after finishing the Ormus stronghold 
can you do Yeah, those? we're like 80% of the way through yeah. the game by like events that occur, not playtime, right? Right. Well, there's like basically like two and a half dungeons. Like if you count Submerged City as half right. a dungeon. And, there's and like that, that's and why I mean right. by things that occur, not by playtime, right? But we right. definitely mm-hmm. feels like we're almost done here because our whole goal is to just get to right. Milsha and do the thing. And the other thing related to my theory is that in the post-game stuff, all of the secret UMN things, those colored plates you've been seeing through the galaxy that are like, come back to me in the post-game, all of those link up to entire areas that you never touch in the main game, Mm. which contributes to my scrapped content theory. I like that theory because it also kind of just speaks to the pacing problems that this game has in general, where there's an extreme amount of density in certain places, and then all of a sudden everything just kind of collapses in on itself, and you have a bunch of bloat all of a sudden that all comes at once, and then it goes back to trying to be tight and streamlined. It's 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 an extremely inconsistently paced it's game. So weird. Uh, story-wise, gameplay-wise, content-wise. Half of the game, 50% of the game's plot is getting ready to get a checkup. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Let's, uh, I guess, yeah, let's, let's, let's go into these. Let's kick this off with Thief on the I have one more up top note. Uh, there's a set, it turns out that the music can sound better from an audio quality perspective. The melodies are still horrible because it turns out the game defaults to mono and it's a down mix because all of the tracks are mixed for stereo. (laughs) What? Yeah. So that's, if you change it, it sounds way better. It's still not good music, but it doesn't sound bad from a quality perspective anymore. So it's just mm. dynamically mm. down mixing stereo tracks to mono as a default setting. <laughs> this does explain a lot about why you were so harsh on them, because I thought they were occasionally a little abrasive, but definitely didn't have the same issue shoot. Well, yeah. I mean, it it definitely has, like, that Rompler thing. You know, Rompler workstation, like, generic kind of digital it sounds. Yeah. But... Mm. But like I that that's kind of change part of it. that and then put it out put some headphones on you're like wow this is pretty good actually like this dungeons track yeah pretty good when in stereo R.I.P. to all the podcast listeners because podcasts are in mono uh no they're not though <laughs> oh. I'm very sad that summer is almost over and I won't be able to wear my romplers anymore I O <laughs> all uh. right so let's pick up with uh campaign twenty three. Uh, they don't have official names, I don't think. So we've uh, just they given do them in the, some. They do in the guide. Yeah, I don't know I don't if know those if are official or if they also just came up with stupid names. Oh, real quick. Shout outs to that one freak in the universe who has an entire site dedicated to in-depth reviewing every side quest in Xenosaga 2, which also functions as a guide. What? Real weird. Yeah, mm. there's a... Let me... It's 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 very strange. Hold up, Zeno Saga to side. Was that the like the long review. blog? I wonder if this guy's guide was stolen verbatim and put on the fandom wiki for this because there's mm. just this weird two page guide there, <laughs> and 
And that would explain where that thing that has no formatting came from, especially given that fandom is no. all about stealing shit. Yeah. God. Okay, it's gogglebob.com. Oh, There's that like was the one I found too. I just posted 15 it. <laughs> screenshots in every single one of these. And at the end, verdict, inoffensive. Gogglebob. Okay, no, this is an entirely different thing. Yeah. It's this is so weird. The fandom guide for Xenosaga episode two is written so snarkily. It's it's so strange to just like have this person's kind of annoyed disdain for the game permeate through the official the, the most official walkthrough of this thing that we have that's not in like a prima strategy guide or whatever. Okay. Oh. But, by the way, the, the Brady guide has the same names as the fandom, so I think these are official names. I'm gonna okay. right. I'm gonna paste Probably. this in here really quick and we have to look at this. And then we're going to talk about, thank you, Discord. I'm going to try to copy <laughs> image link. <laughs> copy image link. Let's go look at this. Is this going to work? Yeah, we can click on this. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yes. But it is so goofy to me that the swimsuits are the most incredible upside with no downside and they change your character mm-hmm. models. So just forever, no matter what's going on, including like these 30 second dual tech animations, everyone's just in their fucking swimsuits. Who yeah. decided Wait, that? Cause nothing, cause nothing increases your evasion and your evasion's like a natural eight or something. So plus one is a huge advantage. And you could have four things and then you could have a skill that doubles the effect of your swimsuit. So you're getting like 20% skill points. Uh huh. It, yeah, and, and on top of that, it does increases your your damage by fifteen percent too before you double it's it. It's so good; <laughs> it's incredible. Objectively, the best I, thing in the game. I love it. God, it's so so like Xenosaga Two. Top and bottom don't even match. What are you doing? Oh come on! Like you haven't heard of like coordinating way. mixed separates in a no. in a two piece swimsuit before? No. Get out of here! I wear sweatpants and twenty four seven. Shut up. <laughs> It's fair <laughs> match. Fair, simple, fair. Yeah, they're all black. Everything I they're serious. That is the life I live, Matt, is that I have 10 pairs of identical black athleisure sweatpants and 20 t-shirts, and that's it. You're you're the fucking complete opposite end from where I am where <laughs> my fucking LinkedIn photo, I'm wearing like a silken linen purple like <laughs> jacket with like a blue over check. So no, excuse <laughs> me if I haven't heard of coordinating separate top and bottoms for two pieces. <laughs> I'm just going I'll to tell you about it as I play with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, she on she on swimsuit is so impractical for actually swimming. I know I've made this point before, but it's really a like lounging on the top of a cruise ship kind of swimsuit more than anything. Cosmosis doesn't even look like a swimsuit. It no, looks like some weird a, crystal outgrowths on a naked body. It's weird. Era. Well, she's also a robot. <laughs> Good news. Uh, she has a more coordinated one in the next game, but you'll hate it if I show it to you. <laughs> I don't want to know. Don't want to know. It's, how can Takahashi keep getting away with uh, not claiming responsibility for the horny content in his games? Like with Xenosaga Episode 2... Uh, it's like, well, why did you do this? I'm I didn't click on this. <laughs> I with Xenosaga episode two, it's like, well, you know, I wasn't really involved as much with that game. And then with Xenoblade Chronicles two, it's, oh, well, we just farmed out uh, most of the character designs to a bunch of hornier artists than me. And it's just like he can't keep getting away with shirking responsibility for Xeno 
horny. He must be. Oh Scott. man, uh, chaos is what? Yeah, is that's fucking awesome. Incredible. All these are great. <laughs> I like these. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> oh god, yeah, oh, this Bobo's is, like, is mm. sick. <laughs> Yeah. Nice Momo's good sick or like uh, Momo's don't talk like about a, that like, sick. Momo's is like, terrifying. No, scroll, zoom in a little bit. Like the cherry blossom patterns on that are, are fucking sick. Chris Taylor, zoom in you, on the eight year old. Chris, whatever the patterning on it. <laughs> Chris, you, you do. You, <laughs> Chris, you do realize why there are cherry blossom petals on it, right? Sakura, because she because of Sakura. Sakura because she's the Clota Sakura. Uh, also, love the. Love Jin's bathing kimono. Yes. No, zoom in on Jim's swim trunks. They have fucking like rendered creases. That's awesome. Xenosaga 3 these has great. excellent art design. Oh, for these, the series. Xenosaga, yeah. <laughs> no, Xenosaga 3 is a goat. Yeah, except for that. It is a solid ass game. Uh, he's got sunglasses. Yeah. The shape of the, like, just the ratio of head to body. Some of the character models in this screenshot are giving me the willies, but that's... I think it might be a guy using a weird widescreen mod. Okay. Because, like... And Momo's not tall! (laughs) But, like, Xion's proportions also look strange to me in this screenshot in Uh, ways that I... It's a weird angle. It's because she's designed for, like, an incredibly layered outfit. Mm Mm-hmm. So her neck doesn't look disgustingly long when she's in her regular outfit. Also, fucking Ziggy's snorkel too, though, Fuck is yes. so great. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> they, sh- they listen. I, I am upset that they didn't make Ziggy's uh, bathing suit hot as well. I feel like you know that that's ageism a little bit, but uh, but this snorkel <laughs> makes up for it. Good news. Uh, he gets a hotter swimsuit in his side content game that is only text. Is it just a speedo? <laughs> I'm making a joke about the fact that his only spinoff is just a visual novel. Yeah, <laughs> I see. Well, look, we we did a complete 180 on these swimsuits. Zeno Saga, a land of contrasts. <laughs> Let's get well, a series again. of contrasts. <laughs> oh, they suck in this game, and they're better in the next game. <laughs> yeah. Well, they suck aesthetically in this game. Oh. They're great mechanically. It, oh, why even have them? It's so weird. It's it's extremely weird. It, it's very uncomfortable for me. Again, the skill system, a lot of the accessory, so many things about this are just at best designed from a place of nobody knew what they were doing. At worst, openly hateful. It's up to you to decide. None of these systems mm-hmm. interact. I hate that's the worst part about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the yeah. combat system, cool idea, doesn't play into the skill system. At all. Skill system, not really that good, doesn't produce, doesn't actually involve your character progression, just diversifies your abilities, but it doesn't like character because they're all going to have the same shit, and it doesn't really intersect with combat at all, other than the ability to get the stock spell, like... Also, mm-hmm. who's, who the fuck is casting stock instead of boost? You can get stock in one turn, but boost could take, like, three turns to get. Because you don't have to, you have to then spend the boost in order to, I don't know. I, I, I use stock a lot, actually. I don't, I use boost occasionally. Oh, you just spend the first nine rounds stock, first three rounds stocking, and then everyone casts boost one time, and you're fully ready to go in four rounds instead of, like, six. I mean, the thing is, there's also, if you only need to use two characters to do, a, like, a boost and then a finish, and you just use the third character to stock up one of the other characters so that it happens faster. Sure, but we're basically only talking about yeah. bosses, because everything else in the game is fucking trivial. 
for you, with maybe. exceptions like random mini bosses. Oh yeah, like fucking yeah. Rod. Yeah, Rod is yeah. so hard. Yeah. Well, we can talk about your hard Rod in a minute. First, we're going <laughs> to talk about the thief on the Elsa. Uh, uh, Thank you for fuck that. This quest. This is the one with the battery. Fuck this. This quest. is the worst one. Well, this is, I think this is okay. has to be the worst one. Let me let me lay this out. This is why this is so terrible. Someone got on board, bashed up one of Matthews's robots, and it wasn't Matthews. They're used this to time. it. They like it. And the only <laughs> and the only way to get at their memories to see who did this is to get a battery potent enough to run a scanning monitor. I don't know why. That's just how the Elsa works. It's designed like shit. Plug it in. Go. To, You're in the dry dock. Plug it in. Go to Vector HQ and get the battery from Second Division. Then you play a color matching mini game, which is roulette. You have five moves per charge. You can go back to Vector, which is quite a trek of with a few loading screens, by yeah. the way. It's like five loading screens. It take it takes like two two three minutes yeah. each trip each way while in turbo mode. Yep. But yeah, every time you use five of these, you have to go back to Vector for a recharge. But it's roulette, and you need to hit eight individual colors you have to hit every color to clear the image so you are guaranteed with perfect luck at least one recharge cycle if you are unlucky chris <laughs> you get eight you do it eight times and it's so many load screens okay yeah. so you have to leave the monitor room you go up the elevator you go out to the spaceport the spaceport is fucking enormous yes, is. i want to shoot whoever made the spaceport in the face so you leave the spaceport, you're on the world map, you have to walk across the world map to Vector HQ, you have to walk all the way to the far end of the screen, go into the lab, get the fucking charge, go all the way back, and you have to wait for the stupid long-ass roulette animation just so the game can fuck you over, and then you get to do it all over again. Fuck this Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, the, like, the ideal way to do this is not try to do it in one go, is that, like, as you are shuttling back and forth doing these other quests... You just stop off at uh, Narcissus is the name of the NPC that char that specifically charges it. So you just go back to him as you are visiting Second Milsha. And then as you're going to the Elsa to go back to the Kukai Foundation and whatever, you dump off all of your things. But yeah, it still sucks. It took me three times and it felt awful. Like, I can't imagine having to go eight. Uh, this is... Oh, dude. This is just kind of, like, indicative. This is, like, the worst example, I think, of puzzles in xenosaga 2 in general like there's often a neat idea that gets ruined by how long it takes to do shit and how um obnoxious it is to reset shit like even the easier ones that are in dungeons where it's like oh this is a nice clever little puzzle and then uh if you mess up it takes an additional like th like 30 seconds to five minutes depending on how long it takes to kind of reorient yourself you don't, you want to know what's fucked up? Also, just think of it this. So this quest, you ultimately find out that the person who, you know, destroyed the robot and stole some stuff is Bonnie, the really hot thief. Mm -hmm. And then that unlocks another quest with Bonnie. And the thing is, this is GS Quest 23. The one that in unlocks is GS Quest 17. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Why? <laughs> Stupid. It, it, completely it, it, you stupid and nonsensical. This is less bad than the cats. Imagine doing the cats without <laughs> the cats. a guide. Mm -hmm. Well, the, oh. the the cats just like at least as far as I'm aware, Sybil, you can correct me. You can't fail the cats quest. No, because you can't fail you just... this one either. But oh, 
Uh, or no, like, there's other ones you can fail. <laughs> that you, I could imagine the cat's version where you give the the wrong person the wrong cat, and then you fail the quest. Yeah. How's that bad? They got a fucking cat. You should be <laughs> grateful. Yo, not every cat is for every person. Let me tell you what. That is literally what the quest is about. <laughs> but like, okay, it also kind of speaks to you know a pet peeve as I'm getting older, it, which is. If a piece of shit is self-aware that they're a piece of shit and they use it as cover to continue being a piece of shit instead of improve on themselves, it's even worse. So the game hey, is I'm like transitioning and getting therapy. Yeah, are you fucking <laughs> you can just talk to me. You don't have to do it on the podcast. I'm literally not talking about either of you. <laughs> oh my god. Um, because like the game is straight up like I have Lock no user. idea. the game is the game is straight up like i have no idea why we why the elsa mark ii spent all of this money and and space on this robot brain scanning device and i also don't know why we built it so that we have to divert power from all of the essential systems in order to run it unless we have an experimental battery from vector but you know them's the brakes and it's like okay I would totally believe that Captain Matthews is the kind of guy who doesn't check his power requirements before putting in upgrades and Captain whatever Matthews it is. Can't... So he ends up putting Captain in... Matthews is the victim. He can't right? do anything about it. My man is a million dollars in debt to his boss because his boss makes him pay for his own tools and then only sends him on missions where they get broken and then pays him in debt. My man is on a company script forever. He is the victim here. Yeah, but then he decided to build a really, uh, you know, killer cafe bar yeah. area like you can't you have it both ways I, that came with the ship remember this was yeah. a luxury yeah. cruise liner <laughs> i don't i don't really like i don't give a shit that it's in character because the game is commenting on how nonsensical and annoying <laughs> it is, the is the in, and then makes he's you the like in fiction victim the real victim is every person who has ever played xenosaga 2 yes of course it's, it's just like like pointing this thing out that it's annoying and nonsensical makes me more annoyed oh, oh. I think, and you know what? All these side quests ha- suck in a unique way, which is what's so incredible <laughs> about them. Like, which is why we're talking like, about them like all. the window washing, yeah. right? The thing that, that what's uh-huh, incredible yeah. about the window washing is there's a sound and vibration <sighs> cue for this is what's going to happen when you do it correctly. But then when you do it correctly, there's no sound or vibration. Well, it no, what happens is that you clean. can tell the but the. Yeah, the uh, the you could see the window slightly get cleaner on screen, but it's really it's yeah, hard to see. But what I'm telling you is that the first ones where your character does it automatically is like this is what it's gonna be like, but then it's not like that, and you have to do it every time. And what it is mm-hmm. is somebody didn't Wait, fix the first one. Somebody didn't bother. No, every window it makes the squeaky sound. Your character wipes around three times automatically. Like this is what you got to do. And then it doesn't do it. And like they could have fixed this or they could have taken it out. But what they did instead is they increased a timer to account for this uh, pre-programmed animation you can't skip. It right. sucks. I, I didn't realize that the that it's actually actively doing the wipe if you don't touch your controls. I thought you had to circle it's it. It's doing no the what. first three where you get the squeegee sound for free because it doesn't contribute to the progress in any way. That's it's so, so dumb. Okay. Well, yeah, that one's a I definitely failed that one by like half a second. And oh, it was infuriating. Because <laughs> because right. like the thing is there's more windows. You don't know how to pace it because you don't know how many windows you gotta I, do. And oh. sometimes you don't know if there's even more down the way 
or like there's the pain the pain that is like it looks double wide so do i do part of the window like because they're not real windows they're in places you can't go to no exactly it's like a hidden part of the level just designed for this side quest uh it's so dumb so as previously mentioned we discover through doing the fucking brain scan color puzzle that the thief is Dreamy Bonnie, the hot thief who was on second Milsha. The reward is a double attack for Junior and Ziggy. Also, some questions about just like how in the fuck uh, Dreamy Bonnie got on the ship when she's been at second Milsha and we haven't been around second Milsha. Don't worry about it. For a long ass time. <laughs> I mean, but, clearly, you went back to do some side quests. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's how it happened. Also, just the fact that, like, one of the more prominent side quest NPCs in this game, her whole deal is just, I'm extremely hot, I'm a thief, and I'm mischievous. Like, all right. It's just, the game wanted anime Catwoman, I guess. Another brief thing is, we didn't really mention, like, the robot that got smashed up is just like a pile of robotic viscera it is it, it it's extremely uh it's extremely violent and brutal and, what happened and to you it. know how we deal with bonnie and society for murdering a sentient robot you get her a job yeah restorative <laughs> justice is real right so <laughs> we go and track bonnie down at the kukai foundation and she asks us to help her go straight this requires a book on etiquette that you can pick up from a girl in the Iron Man bar and a pink maid uniform from the cleaners, which, okay. So you do get to see the hot thief in the outfit with the wig if you uh, want to continue this side quest. You know, it's and, funny. She's the only waitress dressed like that. Why yeah. does she need mm-hmm. that? <laughs> well, and the thing is, when you talk to her, she's slipping in and out of her new, like, cute, respectful persona because she's not used to it yet. And that's, I mean... You know, I, I again, I this is the future. I don't know how you. I guess she's being paid under the <laughs> table or something because they'd be able to figure out that this is Bonnie, right? Sorry, the pause there was just long enough for you to say, and she's in a cute maid outfit. This is the future. <laughs> <laughs> this is the present if you know where to go. <laughs> oh, buddy. Back so, like, hook up. <laughs> it's called Japan. Oh no, thank you. And then, and then you get uh, the dual spell ray double attack for Shion and Chaos. Which probably looks cool, but you're never going to do it because they're mechanically worthless. The next side quest we're going to talk about is uh, about the ghost of old Milsha. Uh, it's GS number 14. And so if you talk to the opera singer at the nautical chain restaurant that Xion used to work at, uh, she'll tell you that she feels like her brother is still wandering old Milsha somehow. But this is the encephalon old Milsha that you have to go into the UMN, not the new, like, submerged old Milsha that we're about okay, to go to. Let me just bump something up from later in these notes. The game is going to keep doing this 
because we've been in Old Milsha in the past, but we now have access to Old Milsha, the physical location in new, the present. New Old Milsha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one is not bad about this because it's just like, oh, the, the guy didn't spawn in the new area. You have to go into the UMN. There's a second quest that does this later. And if you go to the area in the present, it causes a body count and you fail the quest because you were supposed to know you needed to go back in time with the UMN. Hate it. Hate That's it. real. They need they needed to call uh, the other old Milsha something else. They needed to differentiate between them somehow. Real quick, mm-hmm. did you know that there's an NPC that will give you like 30 pages of lore dump about the forbidden devices? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's sick. And the thing is, and every time you say, no, I'm good to, like, end that conversation, she's like, oh, you didn't have to be so rude about it. <laughs> Sorry, I ain't got two hours. But the, the Look, it happens even if I you... Had to, I had two hours, to be real. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to every single one of them, she still says that. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. That's how, that's, that's how video games are, Matt. This is a PS2 game. <laughs> that, that's how old people are like when they're telling you a story. They just don't want to stop. <laughs> that's how I'm like when I'm telling you a story. You don't have to We're be old. Which is funny because you're also the person who cuts people off rudely when you don't want to hear it a second time. That's true. (laughs) So we go back and we search for the ghost of her brother by going back to the area from the prologue and going near one of the explodable cars. And there is an optional boss called Rod Blondell, which extremely good boss name. Fucking tomato-ass boss name. Yeah. Yep. Rod Blondell is a Tamino ass name. You're right. Yeah, it is. So this fight is is fine. Uh, it's it's mostly like a poison debuff fight, but it is extremely weak to fire and aura. So you choose one element and you chain it to death. And if it didn't have a a huge amount of HP, it would be like a one round kill kind of thing. Well, the 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 fucked up thing about this fight, well. We're going to talk about the the abuse thing, but when I actually went to fight this guy, I actually died the first two times. Well, I basically quit the first two times because what happens for me is that I load everybody up. I do all the buffs and everything. I unload. It does about slightly less than half. And so like after two rounds of dumping on this guy, he goes into turbo mode when he's in low health. And then he starts using boost and then also gets faster. So he can do three moves in a row, which will kill any one of your characters. Yeah, it's like an enraged timer. You have to like, you have to make sure that the that you're juggling the boss at the right time to yeah. continue to wail on it. Yeah, yeah. Like you need to do like two or three like okay hits of damage so that, you know, or knock off like 3,000 damage instead of like 6,000 damage so that he's not in rage mode so you can load up to do the last fight. Because otherwise... It's it's a very manageable boss until he starts taking over three turns. I did one turn this boss. That's nice. Re- You're way over leveled though, Chris. <laughs> I'm not way over leveled. I'm about 35 now. It's just that every except I just had an extremely powerful physical attacker party mm. gave everyone attacker fire sword and then did air combos and i wound up getting like 13 turns in a row and when your party is cosmos momo and Jin, you do an incredible amount of damage so this is the fight yeah this, that's not this my is party. yeah this is one of the few of these side quests that i actually went and took time to do because it didn't involve like three million hours of backtracking and and mm-hmm. screen loading and shit and learning that elements 
are actually useful in this game from the uh, the Pelagrian mains fight from Ormus is what got me through this because I was like, oh shit, Fire Sword, Aura Sword, they actually both extremely increase damage output if you put them on the right characters for the juggle. So I was able to two turn or yeah, like yeah, two cycle this guy. So the way the math on this works is that it's like 250% for the right element, but that's before any other multipliers. Right. So like if they're in the yeah. air, you're doing like 500% damage just from having fire sword. Mm-hmm. Then you have attacker on top of that, which is also multiplied by the air and break bonuses. The damage is out of control. Yeah, and like... There's a way that you can go through this game where you're not really engaging with ether at all, except for to heal and revive people. And otherwise, that's me. Buddy. And, and otherwise, you're just using the combos, basically, like stock boost combo. And uh, ether seems like it's useless, but is extremely powerful for the right bosses and in the right contexts. Yeah, the sword ones in particular. The other thing I think is that I have everybody with a double, like whatever the thing is that doubles the effect of equips. Yeah. So everybody at this point already had um, combo boost, so they can combo with themselves. So it's really easy to set up and get uh-huh. off a combo. They also had the thing that doubles the equips and the swimsuit. So everyone also just had a 30% flat attack bonus. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I need to get that uh, the double one because that that one I hadn't gotten yet, or combo boost. I'm mad. Like speaking about the skill stuff, I'm mad that combo boost is not a mastered skill, and instead it's equipable oh, it because yeah. that that should be mastered. You should hit that point and be like, no matter what, you don't have to eat a slot so that you have to wait okay. for the, the roulette to work for you. It's weird that they tried to balance the skills, right? Because if they did that, it would be insanely busted. But why balance this when ev- everything else is wildly Imba in the enemy's favor? Right. I mean, that's that's the whole thing about this. It's so swingy. And if you don't do the most, you know, optimized version of it, you're going to do like 50% less damage, which makes a lot of these fights a lot harder. The combo boost skill in particular is so valuable because you yeah. take out an RNG element, which is, is the character you want to boost in the row or not when another character on your turn shows up? Or do you have to spend yeah. an extra boost to do that? Mm. And the secretly the most AP, the most OP skill is, I don't remember what it's called, but it removes, it turns out there's a huge time penalty for casting ether, and oh, it yeah, just yeah, completely yeah. removes that. Mm. It's wild. Yeah, I remember. I think I got. I so to, let's just go to the thing about this boss well, that I ended up spending the majority of my time. Well, on let's. Here, I, unless let's, sorry, I ruined your life by telling let's, you this. Uh, let's. <laughs> I, I, I want to hear Sybil's rant first because she said okay, so a, a rant that she was saying. Similar right. to this, there are a couple of accessories for the mechs which feel like in a better system these would be things you could equip permanently like mm-hmm. this is just an upgrade we install on the mech but that ether max 300 mm. emax 300 is a thing you just have to permanently equip to use some of your attacks mm-hmm. going forward and you can possibly not get it meaning you can never use those attacks is wild to me yeah absolutely the thing about it is, though, if you only because the way they pace them out, you're only going to get one through ma- per major mech 
Oh yeah, that's spot, fine, right? Like but, dungeon. But the thing is, you would have to then commit it to a particular mech. You you can't transfer it if you wanted to try somebody else's third level, like three hundred stock skill. So that was one of the things that I ended up doing in in the submerged area was passing that around depending on which skill I wanted to use. It's just wild to me that if you do not get what are basically random drops, there's a whole tier of skill in this system you can never use in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 already an extremely stripped-down version of the combat, too, which is the thing that's so wild about it. To well, me. and they don't even fucking communicate very well how different pilots mm-hmm. and co-pilots affect uh your skills on top of that it's something that uh it gets you have one to one sentence in the tutorial yeah and it and it's an extremely crucial mechanic for understanding how to better smoothly go through the mech fights it's just right. like and in the tutorial you don't have the ability to swap out co-pilots so yeah. you can't even play around right. with it just to see what happens it tells you in one sentence and then doesn't do you're not in mechs again until ormus you forgot about that already yeah yeah so uh this is it's like every single one of these side quests just sparks another conversation about different ways that xenosaga 2 has been pissing oh, us off I lately am. uh so oh. <laughs> Let's 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 get back to yeah the the important thing to know about fucking Rod Blondell. This game is, is an all time nega goat. Yeah, <laughs> it <laughs> is amazing how bad this is, but in ways you never expect. And so it's very interesting to talk about. Like I hate playing it at this point. I, I went from being like. Hey, it's better than I remember. To ah, uh, yeah, it's it's okay. To just like I, I I hate playing it at this point, but I always love talking about it. This episode is the land of contrast because the side every side quest highlights a different fatal flaw in the video game. But then the dungeon, where, the part, mm-hmm. the gameplay part, we're going to talk about really liked lo- liked the little mini mech dungeon. Yeah. Fucking great, best boss in the game so far, probably. <laughs> actually, yeah, I would agree with that. Fucking Easily. weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, I mean, I am also enjoying. Like the first third of Labyrinthos wasn't that bad for me. Yeah. Like I thought it was pretty well paced. Yeah. I I'm also I'm into it's Labyrinthos and it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I like it's Labyrinthos. Long, yeah, it looks really long. So yeah, again, the stealing mechanic is already something that is optional, but not actually optional if you want to engage in any of the higher level content. But it's not something that is really explained to you, and you can steal something extremely important from fucking this guy rod blonde rod which is this guy has a skill capsule e as a rare drop so you can steal it escape and then go back to the battle steal it escape over and over and over again if you just want a massive amount of skill points or if you want a massive amount of money to pay off a debt so a thing i discovered on accident yeah the normal (laughs) yeah so the normal steal item is a skill up d and so there's like you're gonna get a bunch of skill points if you get the common uh, drop or the rare drop. Right, so basically, this is what I did for five hours. Uh, I remind you, I did this for five real-time hours. Mm-hmm. Is What's the I matter got with it? you? <laughs> because I wanted to I wanted to get these skills, and I was like, I don't... You know, you know how long it takes sucks. to... Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, that's what sucks about the skill system, is that, guess what? It didn't matter at all that you did this. <laughs> No, it, it it does because now there's a lot of like my characters that I wasn't putting in a lot of 
like support skills now all have the support skills. Now everybody can heal and medic medica all if I need it. It's actually it is helpful. Like I was running into a lot of issues where I had skill limitations because of the way I had specialized and that was becoming really obnoxious, especially when going to like certain boss battles, you want certain people in there just because of their natural element affinities, right? Like you want Ziggy if someone's weak to fire, but my Ziggy couldn't heal anybody except for using items. And you have so few items, you just run out of them really quickly. So like, you know, it ended up being a thing where I really wanted a lot of those low level skills across the board immediately. So like I actually ended up in kind of an MMO situation or, or I guess like a, like a, typical class system based JRPG situation where because I'm deliberately trying to not over level and and kind of play this at quote unquote min eye level or whatever basically I just don't want to grant you that many side quests is what it is uh and so I'm telling myself that <laughs> I'm I, engaging in the combat I heard <laughs> min eye level and went <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> so like I've discovered that I kind of like designated a couple of people to be healers, a couple of people to be support buff and debuff people, and a couple of people to have most of like the damage dealing skills. And because the game lets you swap your party members out mid-battle, what it meant was I was terrified because I used all of my revives uh, during the Ormus dungeon. And so I was like, well, because there's no way to buy these, I'm probably not going to have enough revives to the end of the game. And so I was just like, okay, I'll give a second character revert. And that way, if someone dies, I can hot swap out a character mid-battle and revive them, and things will work out. And it's worked. It's been fun that way to kind of have more specialized characters. And, you know, yes, you lose a turn by doing the, the, the change function, but the fact that it's there meant that I could play underleveled and not necessarily hit a brick wall where I'm just going to hard fail an encounter. It's the ether sucks so bad on anyone except for like Momo, Shion, and Chaos is okay just because mm -hmm. the receive MP when stocking is a percentage. So, like, even at, like, level 35, right, Revert costs 20, and that's mo almost half of what Cosmos has, but she only gets four back each time you do it. But Momo mm -hmm. gets sick, six, which is, like, fucking... So, A, she cast it three times and regenerates 50% faster. It's so weird, like there's not mm -hmm. there's no gradation. Everyone is e extremely good at either physically attacking and casting utility spells or just being like an ether powerhouse. It's great at everything. <laughs> well, I the thing about that is because it's a low num numbers RPG, right? Yeah, so like when Ziggy does the stock, he gets, you know, 4 MP back, which is a cure, whatever, or it's one medica. Or, sorry, it's a Medica 2, because the Medica and, 1 is, I think, only And Medica all is so bad in this game, because it costs a 10. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. It's 10, and it's just barely stronger than a Medica by itself, individually, Which like, two. per character. Yeah, it's only, it's, it's 50% better, but it has less healing. Right. So, it's an MP so, like, cost thing. for being able to heal everybody at once in a single turn, <sighs> is what it is what you're paying right, for. Right, no. Well, I, I understand that. Yeah, I understand why it's more expensive. The problem is there isn't a Medica All Two that I can. I, I haven't looked through the guide completely, but like that is that group uh, heal is so weak. So like this boss has an attack that hits all three characters for like at least for me it was like around three hundred damage, maybe slightly less than three hundred damage a piece, and it takes more than one Medica All to get that back. So 
If you're stocking and trying to set up and you eat two of those, you need to spend 20 EP yeah. or several turns using Medica 2 to get everyone back so, up to a decent health level. I think you could make this game infinitely better by making it more like Final Fantasy 13, right? Like, mm. remove the Probably. abilities for enemies to boost onto you, make them do more damage, and then just make you recover all your shit out of battle. Because then I don't care that Medica's bad. Medica's only in battle and I'll need it in battle because they do more damage and... I think I think that would fix a ton of the problems and make things interact better. I mean, honestly, I think you could keep the damage level the same and just do the auto heal, and that would that would help sure. a lot. Because functionally, you are basically more like if you survive the battle, you're basically invincible because the people in the back recover their uh, EP so quickly. You can just heal everybody up to full after every battle. But that's a time tax because then you have to do that. I'm never going to use. Annoying. I'm never going right. to use the back uh, party. But anyway, so I, I <laughs> yeah, so I, I, so I ended up going into this battle probably about three to five hundred, somewhere between like four or five hundred times. <laughs> Just oh going my god, in, dude! Right? Because what? Because you go in, you steal twice, you get the skill up E and the skill up D, and then you piece. Sometimes you have to steal six times to get the get Some, them both. Sometimes it doesn't proc at all, and you just have to bail and go back again. And so, like, but the thing is, 600 skill points is a lot of skill points still at this point of the game compared to the regular battles you're facing, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh, I, yeah, so many. You get, like, 40 from a regular battle in Ormus. Like, and that's yeah. a battle with five guys that takes you five minutes to do. Yeah, that, that's, it's fucking weak as hell. So, like, I, yeah, I sat there and I did that, you know, multiple stretches at a time. So now all of my characters are basically, as, as much as I could complete at the time with the skills that I have unlocked, like completely done with level one, level two, and then have a couple done at level three, and then have like a couple random important skills like, you know, expand the expand slot and like the boost skills and whatnot. So like oh, I everyone only did is... this for one hour to fix Jin because I changed <laughs> out a party member. So yeah. I'm trying to have the normal person experience, mm -hmm. right? Because Ryan is going in underleveled. Matt, you have completely uh blown out the skill curve for the game by sinking a lot of your time into this. And uh -huh. Sybil's just like, fuck it, I I don't care anymore. I've played this too many times, which is fair. It can suck so my dick. I have to <laughs> I have to have the normal person's perspective on this. Yeah. Well well the thing is that like it doesn't significantly i guess it does kind of change my thing but like i'm still getting you know dunked by the numbers at times because my guys are not any stronger yeah, because it's not character progression yeah. and that sucks yeah. all right yeah why uh, isn't yeah. there just some stat ups that are a mastered nodes uh, it's it's bullshit make me pick between abilities and stat protection i don't know like the last game you made where that was great by the way i did just check there is no cast all healing skill beyond Medica all, but <laughs> the way you're supposed to do this is chain off of possibly the same caster, where if you do Medica to Medica, you get double Medica on everyone, mm. or Medica 2, Medica 2 turns into double Medica 2, which are full party Oh, heals. so you use the ether combo. Yeah. Yep. Wait, I oh. forgot that was a fucking thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, the that only way to, to get a... a better full party heal skill. Again, a yeah, single second. Fuck this video you, game, yeah, dude. And you have to spend boost to do you, it. Yep. By the time you need that, you've forgotten yep. about it because also yep. only got single one sentence of the tutorial. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> and 
And if you don't have the lost aggle skill on someone, casting double medica two will negate one agility point for their next turn. Uh Uh, Okay, and check this out. When you finish this fucking hard-ass boss, the lady gives you her dead brother's locket. It's like, don't worry about it. But the thing you get is a thing that it's too late in the game for it to matter, which is 10% more experience. Oh, I don't think it's too late, honestly. Oh, I don't it think it's too definitely late not. Yeah. It's no. not. Are we doing that much combat still, despite only having two dungeons oh, yeah, left? They're, not in the main it's a, story, it's a but long holy shit, if you're doing post-game. Oh, that's true. I am doing well, that. Why am I, what well, am, why am I like this? <laughs> well, here's the other thing, is that that skill... That skill is expensive as hell, too, so because it's a third-level skill, but it requires 24,000 class points to unlock the class. And then once you get to the skill, it's 3,600 points. Okay, 3,600 yeah. points where stealing 600 at a time is a lot. Chris, I'm going to give you a warning. There's a second skill, EXP up 15. The two of them stack, meaning anyone who has it gains plus 25 XP permanently. Even without that, you are grinding for some of the post-game right. content. DM me where you get it, and also Ryan wants to talk. Uh, well, no, I was just going to say that we have been recording for an hour, and we are a third of the way into these notes. Sure, That's sure, all. but we're going to cr- crank through them faster, because every one of these we're getting more out of yeah, the way. That's true. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely front-loading our, our complaint. All right. Uh, uh, so... Yeah. Rem- let's re- uh, well that re- so let's remember very briefly that the whole reason why we went and found Rod Blondell was because we were searching for an old opera singer's long lost brother and then like Chris mentioned she's like oh thanks i d- don't don't tell me about how you found this don't tell me about what happened he, Rod Blondell is the name of the guy in one of the two zakus who gets blown up at the beginning of 79 <laughs> yes <laughs> Anyway, that's the end of that quest. So let's go to GS6, uh, which is about curry. Oh, I have one more generalized complaint (laughs) about all of these, which we haven't brought up yet. Which is the layout, the geographical layout of this game sucks Omega ass for the way all of these are built. So imagine them laid out in a line from left to right. Right? You have the foundation when you can go. It's like four, you can go three screens deep in the foundation. Then you go to the Durandal, which has its own two, ski, two deep nesting. Then from the Durandal, you go to the Elsa, which also has nesting inside of it. If you choose to go downstairs into several sub rooms, like the, like the robot. And then from the Durandal, you can go to second mill show, which is also three to four screens deep. And most of them require you going from second Milsha to foundation back to second Milsha through like eight loading screens every time you do it. Fuck this video well, game, dude. I mean, there's also a lot of places where the only reason why these rooms ex- exist and you need to go through three screens to get there is to get like one item for a side quest. Like there's no or like the sewers. For it. The sewers take longer mm-hmm. to get to every time because they're stacked on top of each <laughs> oh, other. Oh, that. Yeah, we'll talk about that when it comes up. That's and there's uh, not even a shortcut to the end of the first room. That's that's the, that's the worst part of it. You have to run it honestly, which is which. Sucks. So. All of these take an incredible amount of time just zoning back mm-hmm. and forth. Absolutely. So, like, this is where you put on a, po- like, you know, this is where if you're me and you have, like, several weeks worth of waypoints to catch up on, you throw on a really long podcast list and you just go for it. Oh, I got bad news for you. Austin's leaving. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I know. I know. It's uh, fucking with you being behind. <laughs> no, no, I caught up playing this. That's what happened. <laughs> this took, like, since I hadn't done anything, this took like 15 hours with the turbo button the whole time. Do right. you know how bad the second Milsha music is at 200% so, speed? Yes. <laughs> oh my it's bad God. at 100% speed or like normal speed. <laughs> it might be worse at normal speed, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Second Milsha, you go to Moby Dick's. Remember the cook? He wants to be good at curry. He wants to be better at curry. So you His help him. His name's not even Ishmael. Why did you drop the ball? <laughs> they should have called him that, yes. Yeah. However, yeah, he's, he's trying to impress his former master who works at the Iron Man for whatever reason. And uh, so anyway, you basically, this is how cooking works. Uh, you have four ingredients and you have to <laughs> add them. I think it's like salt, sugar, soy sauce and there's like a fourth one i can't remember but you just add them at like at a random like they'll come up like hey press this one press this one press this one and there's a timer and you have to do it basically make each decision within two seconds or else you'll run out of time check shot more annoying is what this is right yeah because the thing is you have to do this 40 times correctly in a row or else if you do it once badly you (laughs) fail and i definitely (laughs) failed the first time on like number 38 (laughs) Oh, I did this in like 40 seconds, but also now that I said the jet shot thing, I'm imagining Momo shaking pepper into a curry and jet going, you can't do it, kid. I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of her mom. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, this is trading you for uh, Hackhawks uh, for Xenosaga 3, apparently. <laughs> You'll see. But- uh-huh. Uh, briefly, you did you did gloss over something in the notes, which I think is extremely good. Which is that um, it's it, in a in a in a little gender essentialist twist. You can only yeah, initiate yeah, yeah. this quest if you have a female party lead, which is extremely uh-huh. funny because it's like only women want to engage in cooking side quests okay, when you're helping but... a dude cook. Uh, and also, uh... it's been established that that Shion is a terrible fucking cook. Like that you is know... canon. The thing that bothers me the most about that trope, this is like a 10-second digression because my wife is a chef by profession. Everyone's like, cooking is women's work. Except when you do it professionally, they're, they're like, I can't believe a woman could cook. Yeah. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It's Get fucking over ridiculous. it, society. Okay. Yeah. See, I thought you were going to call back to your earlier complaint about how the only way to find these things is to go around the world and talk to every NPC and see if anything triggers. Yeah. You have to do it twice sometimes because yeah. if you have the wrong gender out front, fuck you. That's also but not even the wrong gen- yeah. gender. Sometimes it's the wrong character. Look, and we'll, there's there's ones that are character specific. All I'm going to say is thank God there are only two genders in Xenosaga. Yeah. Ugh, just imagine. I can't believe I'm signing off on that, but yeah. Oh. <sighs> anyway, you get Decoder 17 from this, whatever. This one takes you like two, three minutes. If you're good. If you're good.
GS29 is the fishing one. And this is another gendered one because you need to show up with a male character as your leader. Fuck off. Because <laughs> uh, apparently that lady friends works at an Alaskan crab boat. What is this about? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. But anyway, there's a fishing area of the Kukai Foundation, which I don't blame you for not realizing that's there because you had no reason to be there other than the side quest. What's up with this side quest? Because I caught the fish on my first try and then left. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> oh, mine took three times. Okay. Three or four times. Yeah, it's it's completely orange. So you're supposed to talk to this guy named Butch, and he's like, hey, there's this legendary fish out there. Why don't you try doing, you know, you have a minute to catch it. So just run around on the dock, just throw your thing out there, and it's completely RNG whether or not you catch this fish. The red eye. And... The number of times that you attempt it affects the aesthetics of the robot leg, you know, piece of the Erdai Kaiser that you get. So it, it doesn't even matter how many times you do it, but it still wastes your time. <laughs> and yeah. it's only one leg. Does it affect the aesthetics of the other leg or any other yes. part? Yes, this, okay, this sets the up what the leg style is. It would okay. be so funny Imagine. if you just had mismatched legs. <laughs> that was ready for a lecture on coordinating robot legs that I somehow didn't know about. <laughs> no, well, see, the thing is that the legs are not going to match the top, Chris, so that you're already doing split separate. Mm-hmm. Oh. So there's there's three different quests that will change aesthetics. Uh, when you do one of them, it locks in both parts in that but, slot, with the exception of the head. Poor robot, you've never seen and you don't know this is real. What mm-hmm. is yeah. this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's uh, weird. All right. All right. <laughs> so this takes us on to GS31. Every time I do it makes me mad. Uh, <laughs> okay. Thank Sorry. you. I actually have to read the notes for that to make sense. It's named Look at This Photograph. Uh, Layla, Layla, the girl whose parents died in a Gnosis attack and was locked in a vault for hours, who now runs the hotel where her parents bled out. Stands actually where her dad bled out. That's where she stands. Incredible pitch game. His ghost keeps me here. <laughs> There's a family photo upstairs, and you have to find the photographer who took it. Not tell me about the time that took it. Just tell me the person. Like, come on, dude. And this only works if the leader is Junior or Momo. Which mm-hmm. yep. I just want to point out. I, I understand why it's like, oh, this kid will only want to talk to another kid about this. Uh, and Junior hotel, definitely looks like Junior definitely looks like a kid, but also Junior's in his fucking 30s. He's an Andy yeah. Mino- he's an Andy Milanakis. So like And everyone <laughs> on the foundation should know that. Yeah, exactly. Well the thing is and, and she knows it. who he is. He's like he, the mayor. Yeah. Yeah, well, when he shows up, when you use him to talk to her, she talks to him knowing who he uh-huh. is and being like, hey, which is funny because she's also asking the CEO to do a fetch quest for her. <laughs> Just because basically. his model is kid-like. Okay. In the game's defense, based on what Matt just said, I have actually made our CEO go do Costco runs because I'm too busy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the only thing you get out of this, though, is just some med kit DXs, uh, which are in the vault. Yeah. Uh, woohoo. Also, Chris, this next one is a joke that only old. This is a joke for me for this next quest. I is got this for it. old people. <laughs> no. Also, I'm mad that all of these colons are in different places. What are you doing? 
uh, I didn't write all of these in here. Okay, that one, that one was my mistake. That, I only I made one mistake out of all of these. Oops. Anyway, yes, I called this one Sweet Blue Flowers. That mistake was being on this season of the podcast. Uh, Fair enough. So for this quest, you can uh, do some flower quest, and this is where all of the people who have been talking to you about fertilizer for 30 hours finally come into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have hyper-fertilizer in flower seeds, and now you have to go to all of them and collect it. Well, the thing is, you don't. You think you do. Uh, well... This is, I think, this this one I did not do because the way that all of the NPCs at the beginning of the game talk about this quest and then you can't fucking open it, open it up until now is the thing that Joker-fied me against Xenosaga 2 side quests. I was so upset that, like, you're just dangling this shit in front of you for, like, 18 hours and then finally it's like, okay, you can go do this now. Ugh! So mad at this shit. Anyway, go on. When you do this, you only need the spring seed, a thing that the guide doesn't mention it tells till it tells you where to go to get all of them. <laughs> Fuck whoever wrote that. <laughs> and you get it from the the robot on the Elsa, and you can repeatedly ask the old lady in Milchen Space for fertilizer, and she's the only NPC who will give you more than one, so also fuck that. You plant the spring seed, <laughs> use four fertilizers, and you're done, and it could have only taken five minutes instead of an hour. Uh, your reward yeah, is Secret Key 15, which unlocks an incredible skill for, like, your Momos and whatnot. Last Revenge, which is when you would normally be knocked out, you survive with one time per battle. When you get to be knocked out, you survive with one HP and you get full stock. Really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have, I have had Jin and Cosmos kill Momo to save me three turns stocking. <laughs> like, I was just thinking you could definitely do that if you Ab- wanted to. Absolutely you do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The the funny thing, uh, so my headcanon as to why the old lady keeps giving you fertilizer is she forgot who you were and just thinks it's she's giving it to you for the first time again, which feels really bad, but I think that's what they were going for. You didn't notice that her name was McVeigh? No. Fuck. Oh Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> if that's a joke, that's incredible. That's a but joke. Well <laughs> done. I totally forgot her name. <laughs> Oh my god, just fucking imagine, imagine if the first-time directors and writers in charge of this game just, like, threw a little Oklahoma City bombing reference into a side quest. Uh, I know one of the localization leads for this game, and it's very possible it could have happened, but it didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Just, uh, sign up for my letter-writing campaign. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) anyway all right let's talk about the secret statue gs campaign 18 the fundamental premise of this is so funny to me once it's finished i'm gonna talk about it okay janet the scientist who chills in the other professor's lab wants you to find the architect who made the statue on the foundation it's of her dad the guy is hanging out behind the long corridor in the foundation behind a car like normal people do when they're not pissing you talk to him Go back to Janet, and she gives you the code to unlock the statue. Unlock the statue. Everyone in this fucking world has brain problems. Also, you and- blow up this, like, 6,000-year-old car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you have to blow up the car to get to the guy in the back. My favorite. Yep. Oh, the best thing in the game is the one in King's Workshop where there's a guy under it. And to talk to him, you have to blow up the car he's laying under. Like, my man's just got, like, right. eyes full of shrapnel. It's like, hey, how's it going? 
Right, well, and he also says, hey, I guess I don't have to work on this car anymore. <laughs> Union break, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is that when you unlock this, well, this is annoying because, he, as you can tell, you start in Second Milsha, then you go to the Kukai Foundation, then you go back to Second Milsha, then you go back to the Kukai Foundation, and then you also have to go to, to get into the, the segment address that unlocks here, segment address 11. You have to then also go somewhere else. <laughs> like, that's just, again... Sidequest.txt in uh, in Xenosaga 2. But also, when you unlock the thing, the statue turns around and it's just permanently turned around for the rest of the game. Uh-huh. Mm. And it turns out it had segment address 11 on it. So the premise of this quest is this lady's like, my dad built this statue, and I think there's something wrong with it. Get the blueprints and check it out. And then it's like, oh, you know, the, the segment addresses are like bugs in the construction nano machines, right? So first of all, he didn't even build it. He just like programmed right. as like 3D printer bots or whatever. But because this the the fact that there's a segment address is a bug it implies that there's supposed to be something there so like this this is like secret super science base what is the point of this because it's supposed to turn around and there's supposed to be something there what is that what is the deal with this lady's dad why is he a freak so i i think the thing is it was supposed to be a regular statue but something but instead the segment address showed up and it sort of Janet saw that and like, oh, it might be structurally unsound because this weird thing happened. And then it turns out it's a segment address. That's that was my reading. Right. But the spinning around the spinning around is by design. The door is the weird thing. It goes where it shouldn't go. Oh, you, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. That made it so it's, weird. It's, it's odd. Don't worry. Don't, don't think about it too hard. <laughs> so, so well, you should tell us the funniest part about this, which is uh, when you get the decoder for this door. Oh, yeah. There's just a 100 series Realian chilling at the park who has decoder 11, which will unlock this address. And she wants you to take it because everyone she shows it to freaks out about the curse of Swain. <laughs> like they run away Incredible. screaming. Well, hey, uh, for, for the folks who might not have the same intimate knowledge of the Xenosaga lore as we do, God, you know, because we only mentioned Swain. Yeah, we only mentioned Swain a couple of times, but Sergeant Swain is the guy uh, at the very, very beginning of Xenosaga 1 who teaches you about segment addresses and is, like, obsessed about segment addresses. And his dying wishes you open these doors. What yeah. a weirdo. Yeah. And his sister took oh. up this quest in this Fucking game. Fucking yeah. freak family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the game is like, uh, yeah. Freak family is is basically what the uh, what the 100 series Realian confirms. Ugh. Yeah. However, but it's worth it. This does give you one of the best skills in the game, EP half. It is equipable, but it cuts the cost of any skill flat out in half. Real good when you unlock what is it like not wings of ruin, but whatever the fucking tier four non elemental AOE attack is. Unbelievable. The game's yep. Ultima. I don't know what it's called. Uh, yeah, Wings of something. I forget the adjective. It's not Wings of Revelation. That's the name of the tank buster in the raid we're doing. All right. Are there any of these other loose ones we give a crap about mentioning? No. I want to talk about the longest process of freeing Captain Matthews from his debt. <laughs> but but like, that's it. I, I just want to call out, like, like for 30 seconds, like, there's one called Hala and Chutzpah, which I just appreciate for the name. The actual thing sucks. You're playing uh, rock, paper, scissors. Oh. But you have to lose. And it's true. Some of the NPCs have programmed patterns and some are truly random. It sucks. But so you, you got to win like 
and it's failable. Yeah, if you don't if, win enough rounds. Mm-mm. You don't have to. You don't have to win. You're supposed uh, no, to lose. No, no. Because they only get well, the they, discount. If, here's the thing: you are supposed to win a number of times. They are supposed to lose in order to go to the store. So you, your character wants to win because that sends people to the store because they get a discount. That's the. It, think, it doesn't make any. sense. I swear you have that backwards. No, nope, look it up. The, look it up. That's the God. normal way it would work, right? No, so the characters no, are like, right. I, yeah, because they have to lose. I have it the right way, and the way it is is backwards. It's so stupid. Yeah, you, you're supposed. Your character wants to win the rounds because that gives out discounts. Ugh. Anyway, it's, it's it's dumb and it's random. Anyway, but it, I just love the name. I'm gonna say, no wonder this guy turned to a life of crime. Not very smart. S- yeah. And it gives you the cross fist double because that's the only way they could make a rock, paper, scissors joke work. Oh, okay. that makes sense. <laughs> that's stupid. Yep. That is stupid. Anyway, you get to help the weirdo Carlos on Second Belshick get back together with his ex-girlfriend, Amelia, which is just funny because it's weird Carlos. There's also uh, the vibrating wedding rings, which is weird because there are vibrating wedding rings. Yep. This is a thing that exists. <laughs> I just thought Look, that was funny. Given that I've been watching Castlevania recently, there's weirder wedding rings. <laughs> you know, fuck. I c- oh, I bet. I kind of like this one only because I like what vibration actually has like mechanical impacts on video games. Mm. Well, the thing is, I, I couldn't find a way to test what was the pattern you were looking for originally, because I'm not sure how to trigger that. Oh, <laughs> oh you caught yeah. on to that? Oh. Well, I just, I had the guide, so I know where to go. So I just went to the right place and got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are other other items that vibrate that you can pick up and misidentify and then fail this quest. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't give you much anyway. The water, this water plant one is mm-hmm. somehow worse than the first one. Mm-hmm. And the first one was so bad. Yeah. Can't wait to find out what the third one is because there's also a locked door back there. Yeah. Uh, that's a post game. That's a post game boss, right? Yep. Little. Chris, tell me tell me about rescuing your problematic fave. Well, okay. So I didn't do the Orgula thing, and I could I could not find an action replay that so basically what I was trying to do is I was trying to cheat in such a way that I would be able to pay off Captain Matthew's debt but not ruin the game. Right? Mm-hmm. So like couldn't find any all item codes. So the only code I could find that worked that would accomplish this is when you use an item, you get like a hundred of them, mm-hmm. right? Or it's like it's like five hundred of them. Mm-hmm. So I had to use and the only item in my inventory I could use outside of battle because this doesn't work outside of battle was a skill up D. Skill up D's are only worth two hundred out of the ten million. <laughs> so I'm sure you can see where this is going. Yeah. So. <laughs> Even in the emulator, on turbo, with with the turbo button enabled, which hits it five times a second, I just had to hold circle for two and a half hours selling <laughs> skill-up Ds. Like, I still have like 6,000 of these in my inventory, so I can just never use one unless the game gives me one, or I completely break the game. And then, then you get like a game-breaking like 40 skill-up Es. Incredible. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because you're only supposed to do that at a point where you need all those to max out your characters, mm-hmm. and and now Captain Matthews is debt free. Congratulations! No, no, and at the end they and say, now you have all for the now. Seats. This has happened before. <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Oh. Yeah, big yep. upset, big upset. But it took like four hours, and they're like, "Don't worry, Captain Matthews will be in debt hell again." Shut. Yeah. Fuck you. 
Well, it has. They have a third game coming. They knew it. But you get Jin's swimsuit, which mm-hmm. shout outs the one you really want for that attack bonus. Yeah, true. So, like, beyond all these, if these weren't enough, if our complaining about these wasn't indicative of enough, there are also two longer form side quests in this area that are extreme fuck yous. The first is about Zaza, the wandering robot who uh, eats shit, Zaza, honestly. I hope you get hit by a car, damn straight. Yeah, honestly. We, we should have just left Zaza in a pile of parts. Yeah, we should have, yeah, we, we, we should have left, <laughs> no, I'm not going to finish that, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows you were going to yeah. say we should have uh, let Captain Matthews beat him to death. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I thought better of it. We're gonna leave that because in and we're gonna leave that in. Fuck. Um. <laughs> so one of the robots from the Elsa named Zaza has decided to go on a grand adventure, and uh, we're trying to bring them back to the Elsa. And so we have to talk to seven NPCs who are in extremely spread out locations. So you know, be ready for a lot of fucking reloading screens. However, you do get. 20 skill upgrade Ds for 600 points each and a rejuvenator no, E for finding Zaza. Well, no, oh, no, no, these are, these are 100. Points. Sorry. My asshole. It's only 2,000. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, not even yeah. worth it. It's not worth it. Not even worth it. And one max revive. Yeah. No thanks. Uh, and that takes us to uh, the last one we're going to talk about here, which I, I labeled uh, Hugo Sucks Hoss uh, <laughs> because this asshole named Hugo used to work for Vector and was working doing uh, EM, uh, EVS stuff, like UMN planning. And he hid 10 traps in the Encephalon Dive yeah, he Summer He hid dungeon. one trap with 10 protective, like, you can't disable it without this. So, shout, first of all, I okay, respect fine. that. I respect <laughs> sabotaging your employer as a way to protest labor conditions. Do it. It's good. Anyway, right. So, there's these invisible points on the map that you have to find and you have to unlock them in the correct order. You can't just find it and be like, come back here later. There's a certain order. You have to find them. They have notes left by Hugo that are like, he thinks he's funny, hot shit. And then he gives you a hint where the next one is. And they're all over the map. You have to do a lot of backtracking and double backing and, and all this stuff, and it sucks. Through this the is the summer only- domain. It sucks. It sucks. It takes two hours with tur- two. Uh, it takes two hours with turbo mode on, and a guide just because of the distance you have to traverse. Even using the yep. shortcut, you're right. Yeah, and you you end up using the, the shortcut ends up being mm-hmm. useful here, and yet it doesn't really save you all that much time in the long run because it's still a really long track to do this. And and then there's one where it's on the the statue with a face, which means you have to do the stupid log puzzle again and then I got yep. mad about the way that was designed all over again. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this wastes so much of your time. Yeah. And uh at the end you get secret key 18 which unlocks the rare plus 30 skill, which is decent, but if you're stealing, you probably don't need it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't do anything if you have psycho pocket, which everyone should have by now. You bloody well better. Mm-hmm. And then we're done. Yep. And then we're I done don't. for now. I don't. Done. I don't have Psycho Pocket. You should get Psycho Pocket. It's so easy to get. I will not. <laughs> Why not? Okay, <laughs> Mr. I, I'm worried about running out of revives. Also, no, I don't want to fix that. <laughs> yeah, that's. This is how I'm running through Xenosaga too. It's working for me. Just, uh, is it? I, 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 I think the, the no. post game might be a bit rough. Probably. Not, well, I, Ryan's yeah. not doing the post game. Fair enough. 
No, Ryan's going to be a YouTuber and react to the post game. Left off last week at the submerged city, where finally, the 50th time you talk to Captain Matthews, you say, yes, I would like to go to Old Milsha. There are some enemies here, which definitely look like the uh, bulldog from uh, Leviats. Like them. They're cutes. There's a uh, quick charge accessory in a chest along the route, which just gives you a 100 um, energy charge on whatever ES has it at the beginning of the battle. It's great. There's... Uh, there's like some some doors here. All the secrets here are hilariously easy because it's a mech dungeon. So anywhere you can get out of a mech, that's where the secret is. But shout outs to the one mm-hmm. mech scale uh, treasure chest in here, which is so big. It's so funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's enormous. There's actually three of them. Yes, They're all like larger than cars. It's great. It's so good. It's like the size of a, it's like the size of a trailer. It's a house. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's like a, like the, a single skill up in it. It's so funny. Like the funnier way to do this though would be if it were like normal person size and you stomped on it to open it. <laughs> like that would be the only way to make this funnier to me. Yeah. I'm terribly sorry because uh, there has been a month in be- since we recorded the last episode. Did we talk about the Guinan and Dr. Yuriev cutscene nope. at the end of last episode? Okay. No, I don't think so. I, no. no. I don't see that in the notes. And so I just, very, before we go into the old Milshan dungeon. Oh, the reveal is so good. It's incredible. So, like, we cut as we're descending into old Milsha in our mechs, we get a cutscene where Guinan oh, has. Oh, oh, can I interrupt you really quick? This yes. cutscene is split into two parts, so it has an incredible cliffhanger for us because we stopped on that save screen. Before the save screen, you see Guinan <laughs> right. like pass out and his hair turn white. And yes. then two weeks later now, we get the amazing reveal that you're gonna tell right. us about. Yes. So we it we we go back and his turn his hair turning white is because he had a vision of his childhood where Lil Guinan and Citrine, uh, so I guess it's technically Negredo and Citrine are speaking and they're like, oh yeah, the two of us don't react to Udu in the same way because we were designed to control the rage uh, uh, and keep in check the rage of the Red Dragon or Junior. And then uh, we get another flashback of Guinan like freaking out as Lil Negredo and shooting Dr. Yuriev, their dad, being like, I'm not going to go along with your plans anymore. And that that is what then turns his hair blonde we get some background detail that uh, Parliament and the Federation have been thrown into disarray. The Federation can't make any moves on Old Milsha because they're terrified about like what the implications are if one of the enemies actually gets their hands on the Zohar and then like total global annihilation. 
And there are also rumors that the Federation is about to get like Milshin revolted, where the second Milshin government is going to be like, fuck this, you're not supporting or protecting us. We're not part of the Federation anymore. And in all of that, we discover that Dr. Yuriev has somehow managed to activate some sort of like psychic failsafe. And he has, he's now riding Master Guinan's body. He's, he's, he's riding Negredo's body. He's like a little John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah. And so, and we, we find out that like, yes, his body, his original body was disposed of, but his consciousness now gets to live on in Guinan. And now he's going to do some fucking evil schemes with some fucking evil people. I don't know what faction he's aligned with at this point, because the Yuriev Institute is kind of gone. And then uh, during that, like after all of that, we then cut to chaos giving some monologue about basically like the land of Mew, which is one of these old like flood narratives, basically saying, oh, old Milsha is like the ancient land, the sunken land of East or Atlantis in this universe. And the reason why we are here is to go secure the original Zohar. I will point out that if you are playing the DS version, the scenes with Guinan, Yuriev, and Citrine are all way more fleshed out because it's not trying to be secretive, and everyone just talks to each other on screen. So much easier because, yeah, they're yep. like they're trying to be cryptic. Like, for example, still no idea like who Yuriev, who knew Yuriev is working oh, with or oh, for the 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 color that this chaos like storytelling gets in Xenosaga Three is incredible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is Land of Mew a real flood narrative? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Okay. Lost Continent of Mew is a is a real flood narrative. Like you can these. also hear it mentioned in Terranigma, another excellent JRPG with biblical themes. Which is part which is on our maybe to cover list. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's the little that's the little side quest diver or uh cutscene diversion there. There's the other enemy, the Levia officer. They do a big scream, and there's the, like, real, they are pretty strong. Yeah. The, um, the 088 Delphinuses, which is a reskin of an early game boss, and now it can absorb beam fire and thunder damage. But let's be real, all you're doing is using attack and boost and sometimes healing with the mech that Momo is in. The big thing that makes them dangerous is they have a full battlefield charge attack, which, if it's on a crit turn, can destroy you. It does like six thousand damage normally, oh, but yeah, but you got like nine thousand and or twelve thousand sure. HP if you're rock because uh, all you, Asher is the most powerful mech by a mile. It, really? Because I thought that the the Dino was pretty depends well, on so what one that can cast. Right. Magic is great, and then just if you don't want to engage at all, Asher is the one for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the it's like having Orin basically is what it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, the thing is, because it absorbs everything, it nullifies the majority of your special skills, except for like, I think there was one called like Wings of Light or something that's like, as when Jin's the co-pilot on Asher, and that's pretty much the only one that does decent damage to this thing. Yeah. Uh, along the way, you will run into a familiar building with a massive neon green star dim over a doorway. This is the remnants of Toys R Us, now long, long bankrupt, and we cannot do anything with it right now, just like in the opening. Later on, as I mentioned, this is a trap to make you fail a GS campaign. Don't come here. 
it's incredible. It's, it's been acquired by Vector's venture capital division. So, and the thing we is, keep making what, all what, those jokes about st- venture, but I still do, BlackRock. I yeah. do love that. Like, I won't spoil this. It's five minutes into the next game. Vector is the villain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I can't I'll believe a corporation that. would be bad. <laughs> yeah. But I love that when we get back to the original writer, he goes, "What? No. Why were you? Why were you sympathizing with them?" Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. The the funny thing too with this one uh, being a trap is that there's another uh, segment address that you can find here and can't go into. And so I think it's designed that way so that you will go back there to unlock both of them. Yep. And screw yourself yep, over. Yep. Uh, yep. You get on the same trip. You, yeah. You get door number five like fifteen minutes into Labyrinthos. You, you sorry, you get you get key number five, fifteen minutes into Labyrinthos, and then it's it, like there really is a serious weighing of okay, do I want to backtrack for twenty minutes because I'm right fucking here to go and open that door? Uh or do I want to wait until later and maybe just not ever do it? Because it it's it like, well, the thing is uh, such a time tag. Number five, number five, uh, the door and the decoder are both in the first section of Labyrinthos. They're like four screens away from each other. So you have, which sucks because you have to backtrack yeah. a lot, but it that's where you get the, um, the skill up plus 10% mm. skill. So it's it's one you want. So, uh, oh, definitely worth backtracking. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, but like, it, yeah, I yeah. just, but it costs 36,000 points to get. <laughs> and also, like, just the my own patience tax on that backtracking, not worth it for me. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk, get, talk yeah, about sorry, I thought next that, week. Or next I, week. I thought that to be fair to Ryan, five, their game runs at 40% speed. When Yeah, when there's mechs on screen, 40% speed. No mechs runs fine. But, uh, yeah, the, all of the mecha dungeons are extremely slow for me. I, and sorry, my bad. I thought that uh, door number five was one of the two doors that it was locked in the old Milsha section, not like before Labyrinthos. Uh, I think I'm trying to find it. There's, that's yeah, not important. I think it's number nine. Okay. Or something. Anyway, yeah. I lied. Ten and eighteen are the ones that are in in this area. Okay. So, eventually, you will run out of road and just see a crashed ship lying around, and for some reason. It is broadcasting all of its radio chatter outside like this is a cop car. And the party just kind of sits here and listens as the CO goes full metal jacket on his staff. It's so good. But unfortunately, they listen longer than they should. And eventually someone does notice three robots outside (laughs) starting a boss battle. This is so funny. Junior stands there for 10 minutes. And then they're like, someone's looking at us. And Junior's like, I can't believe they caught us. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Damn. Damn. Standing out there like with no good. Please use Junior's face staring at this as the art for this episode. It's so good. So that's, that's why I wanted to move the comment to here because number one, what the fuck, Junior? Yeah, damn, they found us. I definitely put that in our chat while I was playing. It's so funny. Uh-huh. It's great. But then, second, is this fucking X faced man from uh, episode one uh, who I uh, know uh, is supposed uh, to be dead? I hope but, like, so. He's the other taskmaster drill sergeant, right? Like he's. So that's, I assumed that like his face was X-Faced Man, even though we're supposed to think that that person is dead. I have heard people throw that out because it's a very similar character, even though he's dead. But 
We never see this guy, and he will not show up in three. So feel free to headcanon it as uh, whatever. It's division. I'm gonna phase. have to shoot. I'm gonna have to shoot down your yeah. headcanon because you don't hear the sound of him punching anybody. <laughs> well, the other thing is, it's a different voice actor either way because of the new studio. So there's no way to confirm. Right. So um, yeah, this boss battle uh is an extremely fun puzzle boss in part because the punishment for learning it is not extremely intense waiting time like it is in a lot of the puzzle bosses on human foot sections human foot on foot sections <laughs> um so the this is the battleship thing... nagelfar since we didn't say yes sorry battleship nagelfar also it's just like there there is this utic battleship that is stranded, I guess, in or it's, it's or, stuck. or yeah, it's basically stuck in a ruined and flooded city. Is it a spaceship then... or is it a? Because otherwise, how did it get there? It's a spaceship. Okay, it's a spaceship. That makes more everyone sense. has been warring over this planet off camera, and one of the ships crashed down. That's so good. Mm-hmm. And yep. so you're, and so what? Basically, what you're doing in the fight <laughs> you is just you're kill them all. They weren't even supposed to be there today. Well, and you're attacking. What you're attacking is the main cannon. You're not attacking like the cockpit or the hull. You're attack. What you're attacking the main cannon. Yeah, but they scream and there about are stuff being on fire and stuff flooding. Oh, yeah, and flooding. Oh, incredible. Yeah, no, and depending uh-huh. on how you finish this boss. You do kill everyone on this ship. Oh, absolutely. You kill everyone on this ship. And so the way that it works is that there are four little mechanical ads that are similar to enemies that we've been fighting throughout this dungeon. Uh, and they will take up a turn to respawn every now and then. And they, you know, it's like you want to take care of them because it is uh, four additional enemies in the turn order that are going to mess you up a little bit. So. First order of business is, before you start the fight, Asher, even though it's like OP for most of the game, has terrible ether defense, and all of these attacks are ether-based attacks. Uh, Secondly, it's extremely funny, the idea of a mech stealing, but you can use steel shit while you're in a mech, and its rare drop is a second ether max times 300 accessory for these mechs, which Sybil noted above, is uh, fairly crucial for some of the late-game moves. Now, what's cool about this fight is that it explains what it's doing to turn order and then expects you to kind of, like, figure it out. And the main cannon is invulnerable for most of the turn cycles, but it announces that it's diverting power to other sources other than the shields on one of the turn slots. So for me, it was the boost slot. For you, it might be the critical slot. Now, and it'll change in different cycles too. Like it won't stay it? on the same one. Like it'll change mid fight. Yeah, it stays on the same one. Yeah. It, Really? Because I, I definitely saw it switch from the uh, the ether or like the, the roulette, like random one to um to, I think, a different. It's possible. Or maybe, it, maybe it just reminds you that it's in the it's same It's possible place. if it goes on long enough, it might. But no, it whichever one is there first mm-hmm. is going to be the one that it's vulnerable on. Yeah, I, I definitely saw this twice. This boss sounds like this could be hard. This was so easy. This boss can go so fucking wrong. 
Yeah. yeah. Cause I, so I came into this with three boost and it was on the boost turn. So once you kill all the ads, this thing never did any attacks at all. Yeah. So, um, it was a decent, it wasn't a challenge for me. I, I was never low on health, but like it took me a second to figure out the strategy. So it was like perfect boss fight. But yeah. here's the thing the Naglfar fight is an interesting idea that will either be trivialized by an informed player or thankfully this didn't didn't happen to me it does have a huge chance because of rng and and slot placement to turn into a miserable slog if you don't know how to fight it now i enjoyed it more than the human scale miserable slog boss fights because again you're not dealing with getting owned every time you mess up you're just yeah. dealing with a, a time tax of like trying to start the cycle over but here, this is by far my favorite fight in the game so far. So yeah, 100%. Here's what you do. Um, whichever icon is active on the first turn becomes a turn where the shield is weak, like the game says. When it comes up, the shield will be vulnerable if you attack it. If you land two hits to shatter it on these turns, so it will take, you know, eight rounds, basically, and you have to make sure through boosting and through taking care of enough ads that a party member of yours happens to be on that slot again then it will disable the shields completely it will destroy the shields they'll be vulnerable if you attack it you don't have to wait again for the next boost turn to attack it once the shield is shattered right and the funny thing is like the amount of damage you do to the uh the ship after the shield goes down affects what it does for uh the rest of the fight because if you hit it for like under 2000 damage it'll lose a single turn if you hit it between two to 3,000 damage, it won't uh, summon the adds back for three turns. And if you hit it for over 3,000 points, it cannot attack for four of its own turns. And, or, However, it could then also still summon the other guys back. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Much like the Albedo fight, this fight has a terrible backup mechanic that means even if you are horrible at the video game, you can uh, still finish the video game. The ship has three guns on top, and if you take too long, it will fire them, each destroying itself in the process. But each ah. one also does successively more damage. When it goes to fire the fourth one, if you haven't somehow landed two hits on the, um, the correct uh, lower shield turns yet, it will blow itself up and waste four turns while lowering the shield, which just lets you um, mow it down because you probably have full boost if you have this bad by now. Oh my god. I love that. <laughs> it it obviates its only unique mechanic. Uh, All but the it, bosses do that. But it hurts yeah. you in the process. And this takes a while. It's All mm -hmm. the bosses do that. It's so weird. Like, that makes mini... The mini bosses in this game are harder than the regular bosses because they don't just own themselves. It's like... They knew that the design was like fatally flawed and did not have time to fix it, so they just added in all of these just free win mechanics. The boss that owned itself is such a funnier uh, concept to me than the tree that owned itself. <laughs> the boss that owned itself is the premise of Metal Gear Solid Four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, when you kill the ship, it will regain 6,000 HP and go into critical mode. And it's like, Nagelfar crew abandoning ship, main cannon charge at 50%. And then um, you have a single round to heal and defend because the next one will be a huge beam damage that ignores all armor on to one mech. And then it will kill itself, ending the fight. Not a big deal. 
Turns out the strategy I had of inc- of attaching all of the defense items to the Asher was great. Uh, so I got <laughs> fucked over by this <laughs> because it must have happened on a crit turn because when this thing went off before it died, it hit the Zebulon for over a thousand, eleven thousand damage and killed it from. Yeah, oh my god! god. Okay. So 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 literally all of like thirty six thousand experience points went all to the to the Dyna. <laughs> yes, this is such a wild fuck you because this damage i said 7000 that's a minimum this thing ignores all armor god help you if it's a crit turn this is designed to gib one robot <laughs> and it does <laughs> this is god there is an imaginary mythical blessed run of this game where every single boss you don't hit the RNG fuckery and you figure something out first try and you just have almost no friction to any of these puzzle boss fights and there is simultaneously a cursed version of Xenosaga 2 where RNG fucks you so much that you just never ever have a single smooth boss fight. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't get to talk about the Orgula fight when I did it, but uh, I definitely only had two surviving characters by the end of that, and so I just lost a shit ton of skill points and experience points for one of my characters. Uh, and Orgula and Mains... Like, and that should happen a lot. Orgula and Mains is one of my favorite boss fights in, in Xenosaga 2. It's my favorite of the, like, human-scale boss fights. Man, that one was such a pain in the ass. Here's what's good about them and this boss, is that they're Xenosaga 1 bosses. Mm. They have that, like, design sensibility. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a cheap strategy to this boss fight, which, again, you don't have to engage with these mechanics. The Nagelfar wastes a few rounds at first, so just build energy on both the S's. This will rely on you having an Emax 300 on Dina and Xion in the co-pilot slot because it will require X-Buster, a special you only get if you... Finished a GS mission, have 300 energy, and have Xion piloting. Make sure Dina is buffed with Thundersword as well for a bonus 200% damage. Land two blows to remove the shield, then have Dina unload on the battlefield, which is an all-target attack. You will kill most or all of the adds, definitely top 3k damage on the ship, crippling it for four turns, and probably do something between 10 to 20,000 damage of the 35k it has in one round. Now just charge up again while it wastes turns summoning adds, knock down its remaining health, and unload one last X-Buster on it when it gets the second win to avoid the Kamikaze. Hot damn. Yeah, like, I basically did the suboptimal version of this, I guess, because I, I didn't use Thundersword, so I didn't get the, like, I didn't get the 20k damage thing, but the way I basically did this fight was... I had the Dyna doing X-Buster just to clear all of the ads every time they came back. So it was just awesome because I would, you know, spend a few turns, get the 300, uh, you know, points up and then just clear the board and then just make sure I was healed up. And so it was a very manageable, like comfortable fight because X-Buster is so good. Mm -hmm. And finally, if you want the most garbage method imaginable for grinding mecha, Every bonus Kafuga Valley that you kill does add 900 XP after the battle. Yeah, so many points. <laughs> like, that's that's why I ended up with 36,000 points in this fight, because I cleared the ads, like, eight or nine times wow. or something. Like, or, you know, I must have done at least, probably close to 15 of those ads got killed in that mm. fight. 
just because I kept clearing the board with uh, with the buster, and then it would just summon three to four more. Good thing that all went to one of your robots. Yep, <laughs> it all went to a single robot. So now that that robot is at level thirty one, and the other one is at twenty nine. Nice, <laughs> hooray! Yeah, what is good about this boss? And like to to further elaborate on the Xenosaga one thing, like this and Orgula, they're just they're about because we I didn't get to talk about Orgula either. They're both about manipulating bosses have built in tempos, and it's all about manipulating them via the boost mechanic. And that's like the thing that Xenosaga one was good at, and the thing that this game lacks. But I mean, did Xenosaga one have the problem this one had? Like, I don't remember because it's been a long time. But like the problem where the boss just has a move that'll just murder a character, so then you have to scramble to sort of get your get into oh, a comfortable all of situation. Them had that. Like quite a few did have a suicide bomb. Okay, yeah. There's one thing they have like a suicide bomb at the end, but it's another thing like for for Agula, for me, she would just like, oh, yeah, she's about to finish and switch back to her first mode. She's just going to murder a character by doing like 8000 damage. What was it? What was his name? Not Yuriev. What was it? What was the guy's name in Cathedral Ship? Because that was his whole deal, right? Yeah. um, This is just Cherenkov's. No, yeah. Cherenkov. Yeah, this is basically just the Cherenkov fight, but easier. And it has a bunch of comedy beats built into it, which is like shout outs, more storytelling happening during a boss than has previously happened before in the series. Yeah, this has a Mm -hmm. lot of scripted events we're just kind of glossing over, but there's a whole bit of dialogue or the CO getting pissed off and berating his command. Uh, All sorts of little things that can happen (laughs) in this fight for little bonuses. Oh, it's it. It's so fun. This fight has so much flavor. Yeah, this might be my mm-hmm. favorite boss fight in the series so far, to be honest. And after you're done, you could just walk over to the end of the ship and whoever you have in the lead will go. Uh, let's just leave them alone. <laughs> yeah, like you go like like they thought you were going that you wanted to do an execution on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's basically it. There's no more encounters after this, just a debris-filled road up to the base of Labyrinthos Tower, where you have to get out and enter a sewer to progress. We'll do that next time. I I love the empty road wrap-up, because that's just where you get to vibe out to the music, which is extremely good here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all it's good uh, in both uh, regular speed mode and turbo mode. Good, Absolutely. Good Shout-outs. Yeah. We sort of we sort of undersold it. Submerged City is very chill. It's just incredibly yeah. samey. But as you get in, it's possible to realize, oh, this is explicitly the same path that Jin and Kanan were working on. Yep. In the start mm. of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's very cool. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have a good vibes dungeon with like a great boss at the end. Nothing nothing too hard. Nothing was terrible. Just a good time. Well, and this is kind of, the, this is the secret to a good dungeon in Xenosaga 2, which is, which kind of, it, it's a damning thing about Xenosaga 2 that this is the secret to making a good dungeon, which is just keep it extremely simple and don't make anything too frustrating to travel to and don't make too many annoying battle corridors, essentially. And so, like, there's a little bit of exploration here, but not too much. There are some good combat encounters, but not too many. It does the neat Xenosaga thing where 
it plays with the camera and perspective of the dungeon so that you can see something from far away, and then you're eventually going into the background to go to it. All of those things are very good, but it means that, like, the best way to do something good in Xenosaga 2 is to dumb it down a little bit. And it looks so nice. There's, like, a super good god ray, and the be- thing that Xenosaga 2 is best at aesthetically is, like, the incredible water stuff, and it feels so good. Elliptic uh, City. Uh, uh. And as a mech nerd, shout outs to the part where when the mechs jump off the ship, there's like a little rainbow in the water that splashes up. Love it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. We're done. We have any closing thoughts <laughs> on... I can't, cannot imagine that we have any closing thoughts on side questing, but do we? <laughs> no. They can all go to hell. Yeah, big, big fuck to Xenosaga 2. But do we have any closing thoughts on the submerged city besides it's dope? It's gorgeous. That seems pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. It, nice. Really great. Michael, yeah, Michael it, it was so it. nice and smooth that I just kept rolling into Labyrinthos because I'm like, ah, I'm feeling pretty good on that. Let's just roll, roll on for another hour. Thank fuck. It was only like an hour of gameplay after all of those side quests. Yeah. Um, God, yeah. That's it. That's it for the episode. It's commercials time. Let's do commercials. Tell me your commercials. <laughs> yeah listen to the other shows on the network like boku no stop where we are talking about monster on the free feed and if you are a patron backer you could listen to us talk about g gundam we also just had a giant special come out about evangelion oh, yeah. 3.0 plus <laughs> 1.01 thrice upon a time released a couple of weeks ago by the time you hear this it's still fresh it was longer than the movie and uh, I did a complete 180 from the beginning to the end. <laughs> but which way did he 180? Listen to find out. <laughs> you can find some music that I make on SoundCloud at Catastrophizer uh, and a band that I'm in uh, at Bandcamp at Canon and DeVarin. You can listen to Ryan and I's podcast, Lightning Strikes Thrice Extreme, by visiting our Patreon at pitchdrop.cash and kicking in as little as a buck a month. It's this podcast, but about Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. Uh, we have been covering an extremely intense raid series that has taken, like, oh, we're done. We all have spent as long as we spent on all of a Realm Reborn on just finishing these, like, 12 raids. That's not entirely true, uh, but it's close enough. Uh, we're, at, we're at, like, 20 hours for just Nail. Like all of a realm yeah. reborn was eighty half. It has to be true that it will be almost as long as all of that. <laughs> I I suppose, but it took us it took us ten months oh. to get through those eighty hours, and so it was a lot more like note taking yeah. and 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 shit on top of that. Whereas these like fifty hours that we've been spending doing raids have it's just been playing over the course of the last two months, basically. Oh yeah, it's just been grinding it out. It. It is fun, but I cannot wait for it to be over also. Yeah. And that is all until next time when we'll be talking about when when specifically does this end? I specifically requested listener feedback to say exactly when we're done because some people are playing along. Do, do, do. Let me check my notes. You will stop at the Xion and Cosmos save screen. Yeah. So that includes all of Labyrinthos and probably the cutscenes after. Yeah. We will we will lump the um side quests that unlock there around Omega system. It's okay. They become way more optional. Pray. (laughs) They were all already optional, but I decided that we're going to do the post game and now I have to do them all. They're not optional. 
Why am I like this? Um, more than a few of the post-game things, you don't need the GS system for. Mm, but I want, but, but for the robot, you do. Just saying. I already knew I hated this before I decided I would do the post-game. What is my problem? That's all until next time. Peace out, fuckers. Bye. Yeah. Goodbye.